0: Anthony, like I said, uh, you know, I didn't always come to church here, and I can tell you, not everybody has church like we have church. Amen. It's not a slight against them. It's just a compliment to what's going on in here. Amen. This is an awesome church, and I believe the reason, or one of the reasons, is the, is the leadership of Pastor Anthony and Sister Michelle. They feed us the word of God. They teach us. They, they model what it means to be a Christian, a godly man, a godly woman. Amen. Amen. It's, I don't just honor them in the month of October, but I give them honor 365 days a year. They are tremendous people. They are not here tonight, but uh, he asked me to speak, so I hope you guys have been praying. <laughs> Amen. I give honor to campus pastors in the room. These are some awesome families. Pastor Eli in the back. Pastor Elijah. Brother Eric. See, you got to have, your first name has to start with an E if you want to be a campus pastor. So if your first name don't start with E, you got to go somewhere else. (laughs) Amen. Their wives, their wives are amazing. They all got children, growing families, and um, we give honor to them as well. Amen. I'm going to read a verse, and then I'm going to kind of get into a story. But I'm just going to read Colossians 4.17. I'm actually going to take the title for tonight's message uh, straight from this verse. And uh, it says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you fulfill it. Amen. So tonight, that's the title is take heed to the ministry. Take heed to thy ministry. Amen. 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 And, and, and I don't want you to get confused. You know, sometimes we say ministry, and you might think pulpit ministry or pastoral ministry. But ministry is just the work of the Lord. Amen. It doesn't matter what level of ministry you feel that you're at, you're part of ministry. Amen. If you're reaching out to the body, if you're helping out the body in any kind of way, you are performing a type of ministry. Amen. So each and every one of us have A purpose. Each and every one of us has a ministry to do unto the Lord. But before I get too far ahead, I gotta set the scene. I guess Uh, we're gonna look at Abraham. We're gonna begin with Abraham, and Abraham received a promise from God. That promise was a land flowing with milk and honey. But Abraham wasn't the one that was actually going to see the the promise, but it was going to be through his seed. And we see that he has a grandson named Jacob. Jacob has a bunch of, bunch of kids, and uh, Jacob's name, he wrestles with God, he becomes Israel, and so we have the 12 tribes of Israel that come from the sons of Jacob, and one of the sons was Joseph, and I'm, Joseph was uh, sent ahead, We, you know, the trials and tribulations of Joseph are well documented, I'm not going to teach on that tonight, but so Joseph goes ahead to, to this place called Egypt, and it's at Egypt that Joseph actually preserves a space for the lineage of God, the family of God. And they move from what used to be their place of residence, and now they move to outside of Egypt, and and they begin to dwell there. And Joseph dies, and then Pharaoh dies, and everybody forgets about what Joseph did for the Egyptians, and this new Pharaoh starts to get nervous. Amen. This new Pharaoh begins to look at the people of God and saying, they are multiplying, the new Pharaoh begins to look at the people of God and says that there's too many of them. But God continued to bless the people of God. God continued to bless them. And, and, and because of that, Pharaoh became even more fearful. And he feared that if there was a war of some type, that these, these Hebrews would join up with the other armies and fight against the Egyptians. So his, his response was to enslave them. Amen. Amen. And that's and what you have to understand as I'm as I'm getting into this story here is that anytime we talk about Pharaoh tonight, anytime I talk about Egypt, anytime I talk about these things I'm talking symbolically of the enemy, symbolically of the world. Amen. We know that Egypt is a type of the world. The bondage that they were in is a type of the sin that we face in our lives. Amen. Before we were able ever came to Christ, we were living a life bound by sin. Why? Because we had to. But we know that Christ set us free from those sins. Amen. Christ set us free from our sins. Amen. But the first thing that the the enemy tried to do to the people of God at this point was to put them in slavery. Amen. So despite the fact that these people of God at this time are in slavery, God continued to bless. When you read through the story, what, what what sticks out to you, will say that the more the people were afflicted, the more that they grew. The more that the world tried to put on the people of God, the more the people of God grew. The more restrictions the world would try to put on the people of God, the more the people of God grew. Come on. The, the, they can tell us we can't worship together, but the people of God is going to continue to grow. They can tell us we can't gather together, but the people of God are going to continue to grow. Come on. They can tell us this, but it doesn't matter because the people of God are going to continue to grow. Why? Because we are a blessed people, blessed by God, who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And because we are not in darkness, we are no longer bound, but we have the ability to see victory. Amen. 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 And 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 I right there I was talking about the church as a whole, but I really feel like individually there are some people in this room that are feeling bound despite being called out of darkness. I really feel like there are some people in this room that whether it's a small chain or a big chain, there are some things holding us back from being who God called us to be. There are things that we have may be done in our past that are still holding us back. There are things that the, that the world is reminding us of that is keeping us in chains. But that's why I read, we have to take heed to our ministry. Amen. Because we have to understand that rejoice not against me, O mine enemies. For if I feel, I shall arise. Come on. Somebody needs to get that in their spirit. You shall arise. There is a, there is a chain that's being put on you that doesn't belong. There is a, a type of bondage that's being put on the people of God that does not belong there. And we are walking through this life, supposed to be saved, supposed to be free from sin, but we are the people of God and we are in bondage. Amen. I didn't, wasn't sure how it was going to go tonight, but I'm getting a quick view. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But, but God's people will always rise up. We will always get back up. You can try to put a chain on me, but that chain is going to be broken one way or another. Why? Because the the Spirit of God has set me free. Come on. I have been set free from every wrong in my life. I have been set free from guilt. I have been set free from shame. I have been set free from fear. So those things no longer have a control over me. The only control is the control that I allow it to have. People can try to put me down, but I'm not staying down because I know that there is no weapon formed that can prosper against me. There is no, there is no uh, gate of the hell that can, that, that can prevail against what God is doing in my life and through my life. Why? Because it's not about me anyway. It's not about me anyway. I'm just going to take a, a quick time out to say, you know, sometimes we'll look at people and say, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. How come God's using them and they don't, they don't seem to be living for God, but God's using them? It's never about the person. It has nothing to do with me or you when we're doing ministry. If you're in ministry because you think it's going to make you look good, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's why you're struggling in ministry maybe. The only reason that we do ministry is because God's got something for that person that you're ministering to. Amen, amen. If you're under attack right now, let just know the more the enemy attacks you, as the Bible said, the more they were afflicted, the more they grew. The more the enemy attacks you, the more you're going to grow. That's why they said that I rejoice in my tribulations. I rejoice to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. I rejoice that I was, uh, that I was sharing the afflictions of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they knew that the more you come against me, the stronger I'm going to get. Because I'm going to stand firm upon the promises of God. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to change just because of a little attack. I'm not going to be down and out, but I'm going to get back up on my feet. And I'm going to continue to do what God called me to do. There is nothing greater in life than to be what God called us to be. There's nothing greater in life than to do what God called us to do. Amen. 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 The blessings of God were so abundant upon these people that were in, quote-unquote, bondage. The blessings were so, so big, so strong, that they began to have too many children. They grew too much. And so Pharaoh said, we're going to kill the first male, or we're going to kill every male-born child. We're going to kill every male-born child, and what happened is is this is now this is where I'm getting to the point of Moses. So now Moses is is born through this. Moses is is born through this, and and Jochebed sees Moses, and 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 so she's in this bondage and she's got this son that's just born and she has this thing that's birthed in her bondage and 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 this little precious little baby she holds in her hands and she looks there's no way she's going to let this baby die every mom that's in this room think about that time when you first held your baby there's no way you could let that die I've got four babies. My wife did all the work, but I got to hold each and every one of them. And from that first time, I can tell you, I will not let anything happen to my children. If you come against my children, you're going to have to deal with me and whatever. I might not be the biggest guy in the world, but I'll do what I can. Amen. Amen. But But it was in this bondage that that Moses was born. And, and God birthed this through Yokebed, And what I'm correlating this to is that in us, things have been birthed. Physically, I'm talking about babies, but spiritually, I'm talking about a ministry. Spiritually, I'm talking about a calling. And some of us need to get that Yokebed spirit and look at our calling and say, I'm not letting this go for anything. Some of us have to understand that that calling should be more important to us than anything else in our life. Nothing is going to separate me from doing what God called me to do. Nothing is going to stop me from being what God called me to be. Nothing is going to stop me from from seeing this baby grow into a mature ministry. Come on. The, The enemy is after the ministry. Just as I said earlier that The ministry has nothing to do with us, has everything to do with the other person. Well, the attack of the enemy upon our ministry has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with that ministry. We are just a bonus. You see, if the enemy can tear our ministry down, then he knows that he can stop a Bible study from happening. He knows if he tears our ministry down, he can stop a church from being planted. Come on, you got to see the bigger picture here. If, if the enemy can tear down our ministry, then all those people that look up to us are going to go down. If he can tear down, the, think about the person in the spirit that you look up to. If they fall, what's going to happen to you? You're going to struggle. You're going to have some problems with that. And so the enemy attacks us to get rid of our ministry. Our ministry should be so important to us that we, should, we would cherish it day by day. That's why he told Archibis, take heed to the ministry. We have to make sure that everything we do, everywhere we go, we are nursing this ministry. Because it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about the people that are in your life. The enemy's going to come after it. He's going to do all that he wants to attack it. But I know that my God will supply all my needs. Everything that I need to fulfill this ministry is going to be provided through God. Everything that I need to succeed in ministry, I find in Christ Jesus. It's not in me, it's not in my neighbor, it's not in this, but it's all found in God. If I just live my life according to the word of God, if I try to align myself according to the word of God, then I will succeed in my ministry. And it has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with the person that I'm trying to reach. Amen. Amen. I find it interesting that Moses is such an influential character in the Bible. Not character, person. Characters are made up, but Moses was real. Moses is so influential. We see him born here. And then he he ends up in in, in Pharaoh's home, raised among uh, Pharaoh's daughter as one of her sons. And then we read of him coming out. And then he goes to Midian. And then then the last 40 years of his life are so detailed. This guy lived to be 120 years old. The first 80 years of his life is summed up in like four verses. But there's a reason for that, and that's what we're going to get into tonight. And Moses, the very first thing that we learn about Moses, other than his birth, is that he was a murderer. Moses was a murderer. Amen. The first time we read it, Exodus 2, 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The very first thing we learn about Moses is that he is a, a murderer. Despite growing up with all the privilege of being in Pharaoh's house. Everything that that afforded him, the best education, the best training as a warrior. He had access to the best foods, the whatever. There was nothing short of what he could grab. But Moses' first instance is a mistake. He was afforded every advantage in life. But his first instance that we read about is a mistake, is a murder. Now, some people, you can read through the commentary, and some people try to justify it, but vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Murder is still murder. I don't care how he was doing it. We don't make a wrong right by using a wrong, you know. I don't know if that was the right way to say that, but amen. But because of this mistake, this mistake in the in the 40th year of Moses' life alters his life for the next 40 years. And the point of that is, he was supposed to fulfill a ministry. He was supposed to fulfill a purpose in God, but because of a mistake, he didn't. Because of a mistake, he ran. Because of a mistake, he ran from the call of God upon his life. Some of us in this room, and this is really the burden of what I felt to to talk about most, is some of us in this room, we we have a call of God on our life. But we've made a mistake. We have messed up. Could be a big mistake, could be a small mistake. But we have messed up. But remember... There's none without sin, not one. If we say we have no sins, then we find ourselves to be liars. Amen. But Moses' first mistake was done at what he thought was in secret. And so that's what I'm going to talk about first is the secret sin. Some of us have looked this way. We looked that way. No man was around. So we did whatever we did. And we think it won't be found out, and we're living this life with this mask on our face, and we come to church every Sunday, we come to church every Thursday, and we say we're doing all right. We lift our hands, and we're supposed to lift our hands. We clap, and we're supposed to clap. But spiritually inside, we're running. Spiritually inside, we're running from the call of God that's on our life. Spiritually inside, we are, we are sprinting away from what God wants us to do. And and what we first will do is we're going to run away from the people of God. That's the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to start separating yourself from your relationships with the people of God. And it's not because the people of God are your judge, but it's because when you're around the people of God, you're around the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, all things come to light. And so we've got this secret that's hiding within us. And now we're running. We're separating ourselves from the people of God. We're separating ourselves from what we know we're supposed to do. Amen. Because, look, after Moses killed this Egyptian, he went out the next day. Right? And this is important now. He went out the next day. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses feared. Acts chapter 7, 26 says, "Will you?" I'm sorry. Uh, Acts chapter seven verse twenty eight. Will you kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying. Why? Because when you get around the people of God, and your behaviors start to be to to manifest, then your sin begins to come to light. It wasn't the Egyptians that found it out. It's not the world that finds out your sin, because the world doesn't tell you you're living in sin. The world says, go ahead, ruin your marriage. The world says, go ahead, drink until you're an addict. Go ahead, drink until you live in the gutter. Go ahead, ruin your relationship with your kids. The world says, it's okay, just keep doing it. Just keep living that way. You're fine. You're fine. No, your wife's not going to leave you. That's what the world tells you. But when you get around the people of God, they're going to love you enough to try to restore you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you know that you don't you're afraid to hear that. You're afraid to hear that. Why? You're afraid to hear that you can be restored into a relationship. You're afraid. Why? Because this the world has been lying to you. And you're believing this. And you're believing that you're free. When you you know, the first thing that people do, especially in this kind of a church, when they leave is uh, they change the way they dress and they change all these other things. And now they say they're free. Right? Exactly. You're freely bound, I guess, right? Amen. You, you, you just walked back into slavery. You walked back into bondage. Come on, somebody. They... It's the, it's the people of God that are, that are here to restore the people of God. The world is not going to restore you. You can go to every uh, psychiatrist that you want to go to. You can go to every counselor that you want to go to. But you need to get into the presence of God. You need to get in the presence of God's people. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Some of us are walking around in a life that is way beneath the life we're supposed to live. And we think because of a mistake that we've made, we can't go any further. We think that's because of a mistake that we made that we can't live for God anymore. you got to look at where did Moses run to? The Bible says in verse 15, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. Right, He dwelt in the land of Midian. Why is that important? Because Midian means strife. Midian means contention. You see, when we make that first mistake, that second mistake, that 6,000th mistake, and we run from the people of God, we run from the presence of God, we run from the people that can restore us to a good relationship, we run and we're stuck in strife. We run to this land and, we, and we're fighting amongst ourselves. It's this inner struggle that we have in ourselves. It's this inner struggle that keeps telling us we're never going to be good enough. It's this inner struggle that tells you you'll never succeed, just give up. It's this inner struggle that says, don't even try. Don't even try. Why are you even trying? Why do, you even, why do you even attempt it? Just give up. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to look like them. You're never going to act like them. Well, good thing, because we only need one of each person. We don't need a bunch of copycats running around this place. We need individual people living for individual lives for God, because God created each and every one of us individually with our own ministry, with our own purpose, with our own calling. And if we're all walking around here like each other, we're not fulfilling the call of God. Somebody needs to hear me tonight. You are running from the people of God. You are running, and you have got this inner battle in your mind. This inner battle in your mind that keeps telling you you're never going to succeed. This inner battle says that, you know what, you went up there and prayed last week. You went up there and prayed last month. You ain't got to do that again. It didn't work that time. It's not going to work this time. Come on, they prayed over you how many times? How many times have you been prayed for, and and it, it hasn't happened? And we get this and then the enemy continues to accuse us and stands before us. Says, I told you. I told you they couldn't do it. I told you God doesn't forgive you. I told you. He just stands there and it's like got his tongue out at us. And he and he and he, and he keeps us in this in this strife, in this contention. And and, and many of us, too many of us are living like that today. You see, we believe that God is who he says he is. You can, you can make that declaration. I believe that God, I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. You can make that declaration. But you can't make the declaration that you're forgiven. You can't make the declaration that God can still use you. You see, you have all the faith in God, but none of the faith in what God has done in your life. We're stuck in strife. It's this inner battle in our mind. And this accuser, this idiot accuser, whispers in our ears. He reminds us of every failure. Do you know how long he stands before me? (laughs) I failed so many times. I'm like, man, will you shut up? I feel like Joe Biden. Man, will you shut up? (laughs) (laughs) You know, he stands before me day by day. Reminding me of every mistake that I've made. I'm like, dude, don't you sleep? I got a lot of mistakes, but I'm still here. I'm still here. Moses ran to Midian. I hope this is okay. I hope this is okay. I preached it better when it was empty. Amen. We, we, we live strife, and because of this inner strife, we, we are unable to have relationships with others. Because of this inner battle that says, I'm not good enough, that insecurity bubbles up, and we start pushing people out of our lives. It starts with the people of God. That's where it starts. Then it, your family then it's your neighbors, your friends, until it's just you, all by yourself. And the reason why is we don't want people to see us because of that mistake that we've done, the, this failure in my life. I can't let people see that. So I, don't, I just got to wear this mask, not your COVID-19 mask. But this mask that says, I'm okay. And Moses runs to Midian. We we'll pick up our story in verse 21 of Exodus chapter 2. And it says, Moses was content to dwell with the man. Moses became content with strife. Moses became content with this inner battle because it became familiar. And I know this battle. I can, I, can, I can dance with this battle. I can go 52 rounds with this battle because I've been fighting it for years. And I'm content to deal with that. I'm content to live with that. I'm content to live with these insecurities because I've learned, I've adjusted my behaviors to cover up my insecurities in a certain way. I've adjusted my behavior to uh, cover up my insecurity so I can function somewhat. But I know deep down inside I have no lasting relationships. I have no purpose. I go home and I'm I'm depressed or I go home and I'm anxious. Why? Because there's this, I, I found myself content to live with strife. I found myself content to live with conflict, because the conflict I know is better than the conflict I don't know. And if I go back to face what I've done, I don't know what that's going to be like. I don't know how that's going to change my life. You see, right now, it's okay. It's not the best life, but it's okay. I've learned to live like this. I've learned to live with this internal struggle. I've learned to live with my fear, my guilt, my shame. You might not be covering it up with alcohol or drugs, but we're covering it up with something. You know, we, we, this is, we're pretty big on recovery around here, and I teach at Affordable on Wednesday nights or every other Wednesday night. And uh, it's, these problems aren't limited to just recovering addicts. There are, Moses was a man of God. Moses was used mightily by God. It wasn't until after this, but Moses was called. Moses had a purpose. And it affected him. It doesn't matter what your status is here in this church. You could be a leader. You could be here for the very first time. We are all susceptible to these things and becoming familiar with it. That's the dangerous part about it. You know, we can deal with strife because we just, you know, we we have ways of of being restored, getting past that. But when we become comfortable with it, well, how does that affect our ministry now? If I can't even deal with myself, how am I going to help somebody else? If I can't help my brothers and my sisters, how am I going to help the person that's on the street? You see, but it was just one mistake that Moses made. One mistake was tearing apart his life. One mistake was tearing apart his ministry. But he ran into strife, and he learned to live with it. He was content there. We are not supposed to coexist with lies. We are not supposed to coexist with lies. We have the book of truth. Amen. Whatever lie the enemy is telling you, you got to find the opposite you got to find the truth in the Word of God. There's a lie that tells you you're worthless, and there's a truth that says you're precious. There's a lie that says you won't succeed, but there's a truth that says he has plans to prosper you. There's a lie that says you're destined to be a sinner, but the truth says I am forgiven. There's a lie that says I'm disqualified, but the truth says he qualifies me. There's a lie that says you can't do anything for God. But there's a truth that says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, somebody. Long time ago, you started to doubt your beliefs, but you got to get past that. you got to start declaring the word of God in your life. You are a child of God. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. You have a purpose. You are valuable. You are worth more than a thousand sparrows. You are worth everything to God, so much so that he would stay on the cross for just one. Just one of us. Amen. Somebody told me a long time ago, never doubt your beliefs and never believe your doubts. Amen. I'm going to say that one more time because somebody needs to hear that tonight. You are never to doubt your beliefs and never believe your doubts. Before you were ever born, God knew your days on this earth. And he still called you. That's what I love the most about God. He knew the days of my life and He still called me. He knew my mistakes and He still called me. He knew my brokenness and He still called me. Mm. Some of us got to remember where we would be right now if God didn't call us out of darkness. Some of us got to get back to that altar where we first came to believe. Some of us got to get back to that place where we were broken and we were crying and saying, God, I can't do it anymore. Help me, Lord. Oh, but we've been in the church for so long. We forgot what that feels like. Or we've dwelt too long with that familiar lie that we forgot what it felt like to be forgiven. He was content to live in strife. In the middle of that strife, he had a boy. That boy's name was Gershom, verse 22. You have to pull it up for me. And, he, and she, there it is. she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. His mistake led him to conflict. His conflict made him feel isolated. His conflict pushed him to a place of isolation to where he felt like a stranger. I'm all alone. I'm all alone now. Yeah, I got these people. They're my distant cousins, but they're not the people of God. I can't get restored here. Not amongst these people. I can't get restored in the world. I need the people of God in my life. But I'm a stranger. I'm isolated. I'm all alone. Some of us in this room are here, but you're not here. Some of us in this room are here physically, and I thank God for your faithfulness to come, even when you didn't feel like it. I thank God for your your commitment to still come every Sunday and Thursday, even though you had to drag yourself here, and you're just praying, nobody ask me how I'm doing, because I'm hanging on by a thread, but yet you're still here physically. Physically. But spiritually, you've checked out. Spiritually, you've been told that you're never going to get better. Spiritually, you've been told that you're never going to recover. And you're believing that lie. And you're content to be here week, week after week, service after service, knowing that the Spirit of God is going to move, but you don't want it to touch you. You're fearful of the Spirit of God. You're fearful of the people of God. And you should never be afraid of the presence of God. You should never be afraid of the people of God coming into your life because they're here to restore you. Come on, there's some broken people in this room today. I'm telling you, I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost. You've been wearing this mask for too long. It's time to rip it off. Uh, Come on, you've been a stranger for too long. It's time to, to get back into the people of God. Connect with the people of God. Spiritually, we're empty. Spiritually, we feel I'll never feel God again. Spiritually, we think we can't see God, we can't hear God. Spiritually, these things are tearing us apart. Moses lived for 40 years as a stranger from the people of God. How long? How long can we remain content with disconnection from the church? How long can we remain content being broken off from the body? How long? You see, the body of Christ, it's not just about everybody working together, but it's about the, in order for my pinky to get what it needs, there's all these things that have to bring the nourishment to it. And so if you're not connected to the body, then you can't receive the nourishment that you need from the Lord. And you're, you're isolated, and you feel like, I, I don't know what to do, but I can't get connected with the body again. They're going to see me for who I am. Guess what? We see you for who you are, and we love you. We know it doesn't matter what you've done. We love you. God loves you you got to stop that lie that tells you that we won't won't understand or whatever. The people in this room will understand. The people in this room are here to restore you back to a life with Christ. But you're never going to get there as long as you remain disconnected from the body of Christ. As long as you remain disconnected, you can't receive the nourishment that you need. It was fear, guilt, and shame. Holding him back. Now, the next chapter is the burning bush encounter. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But what I want us to notice is this. Because some people might be in here and saying, well, I don't have a call from God. So you're not talking to me. That's not true, first of all. Second of all, if you've got a burden in your spirit, you have to understand that a burden will precede the call. And and I'm going to show that to you here. Exodus 2.11, it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brothers. And he looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brothers. Acts chapter 7, verse 23, and when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. It came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Verse 25, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood how that God by by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. When Moses runs to Midian, they call him an Egyptian. But Moses, Hebrews 11 says that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't meet the burning bush yet. I don't see any evidence in the the first 40 years of his life that he received a call from God to deliver the people of Israel. But he had a burden in his spirit. He had a burden for his brethren. He was identified as an Egyptian, but he had a burden for the Hebrews, his brothers. What I'm saying is if you've got a, you've at some point in your walk with God, you have felt a burden for something. It could be whatever it is. For, I hope she don't mind, Sister Ann. She was at a leadership conference and God gave her a burden for new converts. Then God called her to be the discipleship pastor. Sister Candy has always had a burden for worship. And we know worship is more than just playing music on Sunday and Thursday. But worship is a lifestyle. And she has, she has felt a burden in her spirit to lead people to a lifestyle of worship. Now she's the worship, or I'm sorry, the, the reach up pastor. Amen. Amen. And so why am I saying all this? What does, what does it have to do with, with anything? Romans eleven twenty nine: 29, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. What you did when you just had a burden and you didn't have a calling doesn't matter. What you did before you felt a burden doesn't matter. What you have to understand is there is a call of God upon your life. There is a call of God upon you. I'm going to let that sink in. Man, Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Amen. It's not about me. It's about the people under the sound of my voice tonight. And there's somebody. It could just be one. I feel like it's more than one. There's somebody. To, you need this. You have been fighting, slugging your way through life, just crawling every day. Just you don't even want to brush your teeth in the morning because you just hate getting up. You don't want to face the world. You don't want to face the people. You're gonna drag yourself through life, and you're gonna drag yourself through it all. But that's you're you're not happy. You have no joy. You have no peace. And it's all because of a little mistake that you made that you think is bigger than the call of God upon your life. It's all because of a little mistake. Maybe you're in this room and you, you haven't made a mistake yet. God bless you. But you're going to make a mistake. But you've got this baby in your arms. What are you going to do with that? Moses, living in content as a stranger, isolated from God, isolated from the people of God. And he's just out for a walk one day, just strolling around with the sheep. Exodus chapter 3. Told you, it's a little Bible study tonight. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Oreb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw... That he turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. He said, Here am I. In the midst of conflict, in the midst of strife, in the midst of isolation, God got the attention of Moses. Somebody needs to hear me right now. In your situation, God is calling. Somewhere in your life, there is a remnant of the Spirit of God still working in you, and it is trying to get your attention. But it's up to you to begin to look into the areas of your life and to begin to investigate and to begin to try to find this Spirit of God, to begin to try to find it because He is calling. He is calling. He's trying to get your attention. Stop looking at your failures. Stop looking at your mistakes. Stop looking at your guilt. Stop looking at these things. But whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are a good report, there's a few others. I can't quote it right now. But we have to think on these things. Amen. Moses struggled. With himself. Moses struggled through his 40 years. I could just see him. Just, man, all alone. All everybody does is fight. I'm just full of strife. I'm never happy with myself. I can't see my family. I don't see the people of God. I don't see the ones that can help me. I'm just wandering through this desert for 40 years. 40 years just wandering around, but God got his attention. God got his attention, and, and I want you to understand that whatever you're going through, God is there. He is in your situation. He is in it. He is right there. He's right there. I promise you. I promise you God is right there. Right in the middle of your mess, if you want to see him. Wow, well, Amen. So Moses hears from God, and what I read, I don't find anywhere is that God that Moses doubted the ability of God. God talks to him out of this bush. You guys know this encounter, and and he talks to and, and Moses talks to God, and Moses says well, I'm going to go to your people, but I need to know your name. He doesn't say anything else about the ability of God. He just says, yeah, I'll go, but I need to know your name. So he tells him his name, but then Moses starts to, wait a minute. Wait. No, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to my voice. They're going to say, the Lord didn't talk to you. And and here's the struggle. When Moses killed the Egyptian, the Hebrews, the, the people of God said to him, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Who made you a prince and a judge over us? So for 40 years now, he's living in the wilderness, and he's kicking himself for killing that Egyptian. But then he's also saying, but you know what? I had a burden for them. I was trying to help them. I was just trying to do the right thing. And they and they they cursed me for it. Somebody's been hurt by the church maybe. You thought you were just trying to help the church out. I was just trying to be a participant. I was trying to do my part. But somebody disrespected me. Somebody made me feel like I wasn't good enough. And so now this spirit of offense is in my life. The spirit of offense is, was, was working in Moses' life. You're, the spirit of offense is very subtle. It's very subtle. A few weeks ago, I was over here praying in a, in a worship service, and God told me right there, you need to apologize to that person. And I'm like, I didn't do anything to them. Like, for real, this time I didn't do it. I promise. I didn't do anything. And God said, no, you got to go apologize to that person. And I went and I apologized. You know what they told me? I didn't even know you did anything wrong to me. But see, I hadn't done anything wrong. But I had these thoughts in my mind about them. And the spirit of offense got into my life, and it started to tear down this person in my life. And it started to, to whisper things into my mind. I never told my wife about it. Never told my kids. I never told any of the leaders about it. I never told anybody about it because they were just thoughts that I was having. Well, I was like, well, okay. But God told me, you got to apologize. So I did. And I told that person, listen, I am submitted to you in every way. I apologize. I said, I, I didn't, and I let them know, listen, I didn't backslide because of this. I haven't done anything wrong against you um, other than in my mind. But I apologize. And, and they, listen, man, I love you, we're all good, and we've moved on. But there was a spirit of offense. You see what I was trying to do. I hadn't even done anything yet. But that's how strong the spirit of offense is because God said, you got to take care of this now. you got to get this out of your life now because if you allow the spirit of offense to continue to reign in your body, you will be isolated. You're going to start seeing everything that your brother did wrong to you. You're going to start seeing everything that your sister did wrong to you. And you're going to start to allow those thoughts to control you to the point where you no longer walk in the ministry that God called you to walk in. Moses struggled. I'm, I'm getting to the end, guys. Moses struggled within himself. Isolation and strife weighed him down. He doubted that God could use him. But what really blew me away was the, the words of Stephen talking about Moses. Acts chapter 7, verse 22. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Moses is standing before God, full of this inner doubting, full of this strife and saying, you can't use me. But Stephen is saying... Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. and was mighty in words and in deeds. You know what that tells me? That the world trained Moses. <laughs> the, the enemy trained Moses to lead the people out of bondage. The Egyptians trained Moses to do everything that he needed to do to lead the people of Israel out of bondage and into freedom. The mistake that you made was the breeding ground for the ministry that God was going to place upon your life somebody's not hearing me right now. The only reason I'm not saying that's the only reason you went through the mistake but because you went through that mistake you now have been trained to lead somebody out of that mistake. You have now been trained to push somebody into a greater future. You now have the ability to lead somebody take them by the hand and say no no I've been there before come on brother we're going right over here and we're walking in victory. Because of the mistake that you made you have received the fullness of the training that you need. You have all the wisdom that you need. You have all all the works that you need. Oh, hallelujah. And, and when you compare that, when you pair that with the Spirit of God, when you pair that with the Spirit of God, what can touch your ministry? What can stop what God wants to do in your life? Come on, stand with me. Moses was trained to do exactly what he did by Pharaoh. It's the enemy's camp that's leading people out. They don't know it. But see, God says that I can turn all things for good. I can work all things together for the good. For those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Come on, you got a call on your life? You got a purpose on your life that whatever you went through, God can use it for the good. Not for your good, for the good of the ministry, for the good of the person that you need to lead, for the good of the person that you're trying to reach. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Yeah, I got it. You messed up. I got it. You made some mistakes. But your, your mess-up has qualified you. Your mess-up has made you the prime suspect for ministry. Uh, hallelujah. The, the, the mistake that you made has made you America's number one most wanted for the position of ministry. God's number one most wanted for ministry. Why? Because you're broken. God doesn't want a, a prideful whatever in front of him. He wants somebody that's humble and broken. Why? Because when you're broken, you understand it's not about you. It was never about you. Your mistake wasn't about you, and your ministry isn't about you. Everything that, that, that's happening in your life is for somebody else. It's for somebody else. Oh, I pray that I made some sense tonight. I pray that I made some sense tonight. I'm going to open up these altars, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you've just, you just been isolated, you need to come and pray. Nobody's going to judge you. We're here to restore you. We're here to love you. But if you feel isolated, you need to come up and pray. If you're full of inner doubt, you need to come up and pray. If you're full of guilt, get up here and pray. If you're full of shame, get up here and pray. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you are feeling condemned under the sound of my voice, you need to get up here and pray. Come on, we're not going to have fancy music. We don't do that around here. But we are going to have the spirit of the Lord. Come on, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We need some people to get up here and pray. Come on, I felt burdened for this message all day. I'm telling you, there is a person.